0: Welcome to 7 Mile Ministry. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, Good morning. Thank the Lord for heat. Some of y'all are wishing the heat was a little, crunk up a little higher in here. I can tell by the jackets. It's running though. It's it's going. We're warming up. So listen, if you weren't here last week, we're talking about the 7 Mile Walk to Emmaus in Luke 24. And uh, just how... Jesus, how he interacted with people that had lost hope. And as we went through the story and saw that he just walked with them for seven miles and listened to what they had to say and just befriended them. And at the end of the story there, he goes in and sits at their table. And it shows us how we're supposed to interact with people. Not to be afraid to go sit at somebody else's table. And how Jesus just related to... Those people. Amen? And how we're supposed to relate. We're supposed to do it the same way He did it. He came and showed us how to do it. He was our example. The example that we all must follow. And so we're just going to continue on today. I guess we'll call it 7 Mile Part 2. But Just how Jesus uh, related to the world. And how He did it. How we're supposed to do it. And... uh, It's easy to... uh, To look at obvious sin... I mean, I mean, we're quick to judge whether you, you say, you know, I don't judge. But when you look at somebody with obvious sin, no good thoughts come through your mind. You don't think, well, you know, that's good for them. Or, or you think, man, you know, it's obvious sin. And we're, we're quick to judge the obvious sin. But you know, we need to reflect back on our own lives. I mean, we needed a Savior. We needed somebody to reach out and pull us out of whatever it is that we were in. And it's funny how we, how quickly we forget where we came from. I mean, I, I know, because as soon as I got saved, uh, and quit doing things that I used to do, um, I quickly forgot that I used to be doing those things. You know, and some of them, like my uh, friends or whatever, I'd be like, you know, y'all don't need to be doing that. You don't need to be acting like I'm doing those things. I forgot just a week ago I was doing it. I mean, really? That's what we do. And um, we look at the obvious sin. And I'm certainly not here today uh, to, to justify sin in any shape, form, and fashion. I want you to know that. I'm actually absolutely uh, not condoning any sin whatsoever at all. I'm against sin. I don't like sin, but I like the sinner. We're supposed to love the sinner. Jesus didn't like sin. He but he, he didn't love sin, sinner he loved the sinner amen so um, you know, we look at we look at all the scriptures in the Bible we take the Bible as a whole and see what an impact that Jesus made and that he left his he left a mark and the impact that he made and the mark that he made the mark that he left makes people want to change it makes people want to change it made people in the Bible want to change people that he was around they wanted to change they wanted it and they needed it and they needed a savior, and so when we when we see this and we take this all in perspective, uh, do we make people want to change? Does my life make anybody want to change? If I'm around anybody, does it make them want to change? Am I leaving the mark? In other words, when I'm dead, it's going to say I was born in '75 and I died. Whenever I died, there's going to be a dash in between there. What I do in that dash—that's my mark. Well, what did my mark leave? Did my mark, did my life make anybody want to change? Did it help anybody? Did I do anything to help anybody to want to change to be better? And we're all going to have that dash. We're living in the dash, we're living in the mark. So, what's your mark going to leave? Amen. And so, he left the mark. He made people want to change. I think about the obvious sins. We see the obvious sins. You see what people's carrying around in their hand or or how they talk. But you can't see people's hearts. I sat in this church for a lot of years. And um, people weren't sitting by who they thought they were sitting by. Because I wore a mask to church on Sunday. So what I'm saying is, we we see the obvious sin, but you can't see in the heart. You know, we see somebody that's walking around holding a joint, and that's obvious sin. But you can't see inside the person sitting beside you's heart that may have waited till everybody went to sleep last night and they were up looking at uh, porn at 12 o'clock. Can't see that. So I'm just saying we, we need to slow down on being quick to judge what we see with our eyes and uh, just to love people. And once again, I'm not condoning sin whatsoever at all. I, may, I wish we had a billboard out there on the interstate And it could say, uh, you know, Seven Mile Ministry, we welcome you. And if you don't have any nice clothes, who cares? I don't care if you wear shorts and flip-flops because it's certainly not about the clothes. That's That's not going to get you saved and that's not going to get, that's not going to get, that's not doing nothing. But if you've got shorts and flip-flops, come on in. If you just got out of prison, I'd love to see your tattoos. Come on. If you're stoned, we got some Cheetos next door. If you're hungover, Larry makes coffee every Sunday. I'm I'm serious. And if you're religious and you got it all together, don't even worry about coming because I can't help you. Amen. Because the suit and tie and. Throwing the money in the bucket, that's not what it's about. In fact, we don't even pass a bucket. I want you to give from your heart. I don't want to guilt you into giving. If you want to give, you'll give. There's drop boxes on the wall. You can do it online. You'll find a way to do it if you really want to do it. Um, yeah. Amen. So anyway, let's jump into the Word. How about that? In Romans the 6, chapter, the 14th verse, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under law but under grace. Romans 6, 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are under law. You're not under law, but you're under grace. So sin shall not have dominion over you. Why? Because you're not under the law. You're not under the law, so sin won't have dominion over you. So what that tells you is, if you're under the law, sin is going to have dominion over you. But we're not under the law, we're under grace. Now, the kind of people I'm talking about, a lot of people live their life under the law. I mean, they're they're under the, modern day Pharisees is what I call them. I've met a bunch of them, been around a bunch of them, I'm around them all the time. Modern day Pharisees, living under the law. Um, Y'all know what I'm talking about? I think a lot of times you're living under the law and don't even realize you're living under the law because I did it myself. Soon as I, soon as I gave my life to the Lord, and I mean really gave my life to the Lord, and I really surrendered and said, I'm done, I need you, I surrendered my life, do what you want with this, it ain't much but it's yours. I immediately went out and bought me a suit, full suit. Now there's a time in my life when I was broke, I didn't have enough money to buy a suit, but in my mind I thought I needed a suit to come to church because I needed to have this appearance of I'm clean now. I got it all together. See my suit? Really? Nobody taught me that. Nobody told me I had to do that. Just my mind. Just, just Satan. Really? You don't have to have a suit. Suit didn't do anything. Suit didn't draw me one bit closer to the Lord. I could have come in here with shorts and flip flops and received the same message, just the same. That suit didn't help a thing. But I think a lot of times we we do it, and don't even realize that we're still living under the law. When you're living under the law, sin's gonna have dominion over you. It's gonna show it show itself the law is perfect but the law was never given to make you or me perfect the law won't make you perfect the law just points out the sin in your life in other words the law was given to say hey you can't do this because no man can do it no man can keep it you couldn't keep it i can't keep it we can't keep it but the law was given to say you can't do it so that man can go to the end of self and go i can't do this i need a savior i need a savior like I said, the law is perfect, but it was never given to us to make us perfect. It was only given to mankind so that you could recognize, I need a Savior. But if you're still trying to live under your under the law, for sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are un, not under the law, under grace. But if you're under the law, sin's going to have dominion over you. The law stirs it up and gets you to the end of, of yourself. And while we're right there, I wrote this scripture down this morning and, and added it to... To this right here because I want you to see something. Um, it's in Revelations. It says, I know your works, that you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were cold or hot. I wish you was one or the other. So then, because you're lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Now, most everybody that's been in church for a while, you've heard that one. You're neither hot or cold. You're lukewarm. But since you're not hot or cold, I'm not ready to vomit you out of my mouth. What in the world does that mean? Well, here's the way it's normally preached. Well, we've got to figure out what hot and cold is, right? So what's hot? I know what y'all are thinking, but I'm, I'm a happily married man, so... That's a joke. I am a happily married man, but it ain't nothing hot about it, but... Hot or cold? So we say we've been taught, we've we've been preached to. On fire, I'm on fire for Jesus. I'm hot. Okay. What? How do you know if they're hot? Because they got their hands waving up, jumping up, down, screaming and shouting. That don't mean you're hot. That don't mean nothing. Well, how about how you know if you're cold? Well, they just—they're far away from the Lord. They're not coming to church. They're cold. And he said. You're lukewarm, I'm about to vomit you out of my mouth. He said, I'd rather you be hot or cold. Now, let me ask you does this doesn't make any sense at all, whatsoever at all? God would rather you be cold, far away from Him than lukewarm? Well, if you're lukewarm, at least you're in church. You're a lukewarm Christian, but at least you're a Christian. But hot or cold, that has nothing to do with it. It's not hot jumping up, down, screaming, and shouting, hollering. Cold's not far away from the Lord, and Luke, lukewarm's not saved. But just kind of sitting out there lukewarm—that's that, not what, what it means. That's not what it means. It's, it's plainly talking about you got to read uh, the, the read your Bible. But it's talking about law and grace. He said, "I'd rather you be hot or cold. Hot's under grace. Cold is under the law." Why would he rather you be cold than lukewarm? Because if you're under the law, guess what? Just like the scripture just said, you're going to get to the end of yourself and you're going to realize I need a savior. I can't do this. And then you're going to come over here to the hot side, which is now I'm under grace. And sin doesn't have dominion over my life anymore. Why lukewarm? Why does lukewarm make him want to evolve? And why does that make him sick? Because that means you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. But now watch me work. He don't like that. He wants you to be under grace. I've accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. Now watch Him work through me, in me, with me. It ain't about my works. It's about His works. He's finished the work. So the law is given to get you to the end of yourself. I want you to understand that. Y'all with me? Okay. Yes. Okay. Under the old covenant, we'll just quickly, let me quickly tell you this. There was a king... And uh, a or a hazar or something like that. He was uh, Jezebel's son, Ahab and Jezebel's son. And he was he was sick. He, actually, he got hurt. He fell through the lattice, and he said, "Go find, uh, go find who, Beelzebub. Go find Beelzebub, and uh, ask him if I'm going to live or not." So he sent he sent the captain and and fifty out there, and on the way to find. The answer he was looking for, he ran into Elijah, and Elijah said, what you looking for, uh, this, basically this false god? Is there not a god in Israel? And he said, go back and tell him, yeah, you're going to die. So he went back and told him he was going to die, and he got mad. He found out it was Elijah, and he sent the captain, the 50, out there to go kill him. And when he went to go kill him. And he went to go approach him. He called fire down from heaven and burned him up and burned up all the fifty. And then they went back and told him, he sent captain, another 50 out there, Elijah called fire down from heaven, burn them all up. The third one had come out there got down on his knees and he said, please don't burn me up. <laughs> so if you look at that as a law, as they tried and they got burned up and they tried and they got burned up. And then they said, we can't do it. Please don't. That was under the old. That was under the old covenant. He called fire down from heaven. God sent fire down from heaven and burned them up. Said, "Yeah, there is a God in Israel. Hello, here it is." And he sent fire down from heaven and burned them up. I'm going to show you right here where Elijah answered and said to the captain of the 50, If I, if I am a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and consume you and the 50 men. And fire came down from heaven and consumed him and his 50. He called fire down. God sent fire down and consumed the 50. Now, fast forward over uh, into the New Testament. And Jesus is getting ready uh, to go out basically on a crusade, if you will. It says, Now it came to pass when the time had come from him to be received up that he said... Fastly set his face to go to Jerusalem and sent match- messengers before his face. In other words, he sent some on ahead of them. And as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare the people. But they did not receive him because of his face was set to the journey to Jerusalem. And his disciples, James and John, let me tell you, James and John, you think of, you see these portraits and these drawings of the disciples looking like a bunch of the sissies. Well, they weren't. They definitely weren't. Uh, James and John said, Lord, you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them like Elijah did? They don't want to receive you? We're going to call fire down on them, and we're going to burn them up. But he turned and rebuked them and said, No, 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 no. Basically what he said is that, that was a different dispensation. We're in a, the dispensation of grace right now. That was under the law. He rebuked him and said, You don't know what manner of spirit you are. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's life, but to save them. And they went on to another village. In other words, under the law, He sent fire down. But under grace, guess what? He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, down. He said, We're under a new dispensation. God's not sending fire down. He sent Jesus down. And I just think as religious, spirited, church, people, modern-day Pharisees, we're quick to call fire down. I mean, we still do it. I still do it. And then or I now remember. I have to remind myself, good Lord, what am I doing? Who am I? But we're under a different dispensation, under the dispensation of grace. So, under the law, um, sin and uncleanliness will infect you. Just wrap your mind around that for a moment. Under the law, sin and uncleanness will infect you. But under grace, holiness and righteousness can be transmitted to you. You remember in John, the second chapter, second verse, it says, Jesus became the propitiation of our sin. That means we got what he deserved and he got what uh, we deserved. He got what we deserved and we got what he deserved. He he traded places with us. He became the propitiation of our sin, so he was transmitted to us. The holiness and the righteousness is transmitted to us. But under the law, sin and uncleanliness would infect you. So let's go here to Scripture. In Matthew, the 8th chapter, 2nd verse. I saw something just the other day in a diff- totally different light. And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. So the question there, uh, and it's, it's, it's every day. You can... God can do it, but are you willing? Are you willing? You're just not sure if He's willing or not, but He can, but are you willing? You can heal me, but are you willing? You can bless my finances, but are you willing? You can, but are you willing? Well, the answer to the question is in the next scripture pertaining to, uh, is He willing? Jesus put out His hand and touched Him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately, His leprosy was cleansed. Well, there's the answer. Now, I'm not necessarily talking about healing today, but there's the answer to your healing. I know you can, but will you? Absolutely, I will. Why did he say, Are you willing? Well, because under the law, you're not supposed to touch a leper. A leper's not supposed to touch you because when you get touched by the leper, now you're unclean. And so he said, I know you can, but will you? Because under the law, me and you are not supposed to touch. We're not supposed to contact. You're not supposed to come in contact with a leper. You know why? Because a leper would infect you, and now you're a leper. So under the law, here's the leper. He touches you. Now you're unclean. Under the law, you get around sin. Now you're unclean. You're unclean. You understand what I'm saying? But now, here comes Jesus. Jesus did touch him. He didn't get what the leper had. The leper got what he had. Because what Jesus had was transmitted to the leper. Praise the Lord. That's good news. He gets what we have. So. It's no different when we go out in our everyday lives. You don't need to be worried about getting around certain people because you're going to get infected by what they've got. I don't want to come in contact with them because they're a sinner. It's obvious that they're living a life in sin, so I've got to stay whoa, way back from them because I don't want them to infect me. When On the other hand, actually, you should go over there and transmit something to them. I'm not worried about getting infected by sin because I'm not under the law. I'm under grace. I'm going to go over to them, and I'm going to transmit something to them. I'm not worried about going around somebody drinking. I'm not going to drink. You ain't going to get me to drink. I told a story last week about going to a, uh, to a, uh, a fight. And I had been invited to it. And the guy said, I'm going to warn you, there's going to be some drinking there. And I said, okay, that's fine. I'm not going for the drinking. I'm just going to go watch the fight. As soon as I walked in the door, this man's wife, she said, I may need liquor everywhere. Liquor everywhere, enough to kill ten people. And um, do you want something to drink? And I said, No, I don't. I'm fine. And kept kept on. I said, I don't drink. And um, she said, You don't drink? And I said, No. I found something better. And I wanted to ask me what, but before I could answer, before she could even say what, and I could answer, my friend goes, He's a preacher. And she goes, Oh, well, anyway, she didn't have a problem with it. I, don't got, I ain't got a problem with her. That's, that's between her and the Lord. I ain't got nothing to do with my business. Like I said last week, I don't drink because I'm on call 24 7. A guy, actually, a guy asked me last night, he said, You don't drink? And I said, No. He said, When'd you quit drinking? I said, Well, I really never did start. I did some when I was younger. I said, But it wasn't ever really my thing. I said, But it's probably been, you know, n- almost 20 years. He said, What made you quit? And I said, Well, I got saved. He said, you mean you started preaching? I said, no, I got saved. When I say I'm on call, I don't mean I'm on call as a preacher. I mean I'm on call as a Christian. That's why I don't. You got to work at your own salvation. That's between you and the Lord. Red don't because I found something better. I'm on call. The doctor's on call. You got to look at yourself like that. The Christian's on call. I mean, dear Lord let me just throw this out there even if you don't preach or you don't teach or you don't think nobody in the world is ever going to call you well let's let's just say my grandma uh, gets taken to the hospital and do I want to go down there to the hospital to possibly see my grandma for the last time tore out of the frame well heck no that's another reason you shouldn't because you don't ever know when you're going to get the call Amen, anyway, but like I said, uh I went there uh to carry some light into to the room. I wasn't worried about being infected. I went to do some transmitting and I'll tell you, one of the guys that was there I did invite him to church and he he came about two or three times and he got a he, he moved off he He lives out of town now, but you know. Uh, I invited all of them, but none of them came except this one guy. But that one guy came about three services. On the last one, he got saved. He gave his life to the Lord. And then shortly thereafter, he had to move. But I reflect back and think, I'm glad I went and transmitted a little Jesus. Really? What if I hadn't have gone? I'm not saying somebody else wouldn't have sent somebody, you know, come across his path. But I ain't scared of it. And you shouldn't be either. Jesus wasn't. He came to a world full of sin, straight up in the middle of it. Straight up in the middle of my life. I know we say, I found Jesus, but you really didn't. You, you had a hard time this morning find two socks that matches if you want to know the truth. He found you. He found me. He came and found us. Amen. So anyway, let's see. Um. Or was I just said, yeah, I was in Matthew. Um, here's a scripture right here. Let, let's, let's look at Colossians, the second chapter, the 21st verse. Because you hear this. Touch not, taste not, handle not. I can't be around them. The Bible says touch not, taste not, handle not. Well, that's not, don't take it out of context. I'm not going to touch it. I'm not going to taste it. I'm not going to handle it. They are. I'm just going to go show them some Jesus and go show them some love. In hopes that they'll quit touching it, quit tasting it, quit handling it. Lay down one thing and pick up another. As in lay down a bad habit and pick up a Bible. Amen. Amen. Touch not, taste not, handle not. which all concern things which perish with the using according to the commandments and doctrines of men. These things indeed have an appearance of wisdom and self-imposed religion, false humility, and neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgence of flesh. So what in the world? I mean, why can not we just get saved? Jesus has have a a separate place for all the Christians. And we could just get saved, and it'd be like, beam me up, Scotty, and he just takes us over there, and we don't have to be around it anymore. Y'all with me? I mean, if that was the case, all you need is evangelists and assassins. We we'll get you saved, go on to heaven. But the fact of the matter is, we, we live here in this world. And we live around people that sin. We live around sin, it's everywhere. And we got to be the salt and light. That's what we're called to be. Not to call to be modern day Pharisees and judge everybody and point out all the faults and failures of everybody. Hey, it's quiet. Matthew, the 5th chapter, 13th verse, and we went over this last week in a little more detail. But you're the salt of the earth, and if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It's good for nothing to be thrown out and be trampled under the foot by man. So basically, you need to look at yourself as a salt shaker. We're all salt shakers. We're the salt of this earth. Now, how is anybody going to get seasoned if we don't sprinkle some salt out on them? If we're going to wait for them to come up in here on Sunday to sprinkle some salt on them, you're not going to get very many opportunities to sprinkle salt. And what it it ends up being is a salt shaker uh, meeting at 1030. All the salt shakers just get together. We just sit up in here together. We ain't sprinkling nothing on nobody. Because there's a bunch of sinners out there. Those sinners need some salt sprinkled on them. They need some flavor on the steak. They need some seasoning. We're, We're supposed to get out of the container. And shake some salt. It's out there. Now, sometimes people do just come in here off the street. Don't get me wrong. I've seen people come in here on heroin, on meth. I see people get delivered from heroin. One guy del- got delivered from heroin right there. I'll never forget it. It's a good day. People come in on meth and people come in with all kinds of problems. Yeah. But you're going to reach more people out there just being a friend and, and, and inviting them to come than we are just going to sit in here, a bunch of salt shakers, just waiting. Praise the Lord. You know, you ever been to a restaurant and you got those little salt shakers and nothing's coming out? The tip's all clogged up. You gotta clean the tip out. Don't be a salt shaker clogged up with religion. That's what clogs your salt shaker up is a religion. Don't get stuck in the shaker. Don't shun people. can't go eat with my friend at Buffalo Wild Wings because he's going to order a, a drink. And lo and behold, if I'm sitting at the table with him and he's drinking the beer, well, if somebody from the church comes in and sees me, well, if the pastor comes in and sees me, he's going to think I'm drinking the beer. Yeah, that's what you think. You don't think I don't think it? If I'm sitting somewhere with a friend and they order a beer, I think, dear Lord Jesus, if somebody comes in from the church... <laughs> can't be seen. Well, I've never seen anybody clean a fish in the water. They got to catch it first. You got to catch it first. I'm not talking about being un- unequally yoked. We ain't getting married here. Amen. Um, I remember one of my friends telling me, he said, uh, "Well, a couple, I'll tell you a couple of real quick stories, but one friend was going to a church, and he had got saved. And he said, everybody seemed to be excited. And they were raising their hands, and I saw them, and I thought, man, I, I'd like to feel that excitement. and he, But I don't. I mean, he's just brand new. And um, I don't really know what they were teaching or preaching there. I don't, I, I don't know that. But uh, about a few weeks into it, he said that uh, they preached on that sermon on that hot and cold that we just went over. And basically what he got out of it, he was just an old lukewarm Christian. God was going to spit him out. So he just left all terribly upset and never went back. He said, I was trying to get hot. He said, you know, talking about being hot, I I was trying to get hot, but I think I was just lukewarm. I don't want God to spit me out anyway. So he, he just quit. And I said, listen, buddy. That ain't what that means, jumping around and hooping hollering don't mean you hot. And I said, and I explained the scripture to him. And then one of my other friends told me he was going to a church. He said, but every time I went in, there's a couple old dudes sitting in chairs, and they just gave me the eye. And they never even told me, hey, how you doing? Nice to meet you. Glad you're here. They just gave me the eye. He said, they'd watch me walk by. He said, I felt like they were just looking down on the inside of me and going, we know what you're up to, boy. That's how people just tell me how they feel. And I thought, I, I thought this this week. I had a couple of old shakers, a couple of old salt shakers, with their tip was clogged up. They weren't sprinkling no salt on nobody. I don't want to be no clogged up salt shaker. I don't want this church to be a a, a ten thirty shaker meeting. Or a bunch of shakers just get together and do church. It's, it's a lot more than that. It's a whole lot more than that. This is a small part of it. This is where we just get come and learn and get equipped to, to go out there and do a little shaking. Shake, shake, shake. Shake, shake, shake. Shake your... See, a lot of people wouldn't say that in church. <laughs> you said booty... Yeah, I said it, but she was thinking it, so. You know, uh, think about people that come in and that are obvious on drugs. I've been around people that's obvious. I can tell. I've been around them before. I can can tell. I'm sure some people, there's probably people in this room right here that's on drugs. I don't know you on drugs. I don't know everything. I'm just saying, some I've been around, I can tell. Um, but I, I'm not to judge the people that are on drugs. I'm not to judge them. If the praise and worship leader is on drugs, now I'm going to judge that. Because you can't be on drugs up here singing songs about Jesus. And if I am and I'm up here preaching, you should judge me. But what I'm saying is we, sometimes we see a man that's very feminine. If you all know what I'm saying. It appears he's on the other side over there. And we look at it, thinking, oh, God, what a flamer. <laughs> I mean, I've said it, thought it, thought it a lot, said it a little bit. <laughs> right? Well, I'm not to judge that, unless that is up here. Or if that is up here, then I'm going to say, hold up. We're going to have to go before the elders of the church and talk about this one. But here's the thing. We we, we see it with our eye, and we're like, oh, my goodness. But a lot of times it's around you right beside you, and you don't even know it. I'll tell you how I know, because I worked out this gym one time. This dude, he had arms big as me. He had a rough voice. He had a beard. He was a beastly man. He drove a four-wheel drive truck jacked up with big old tires on it. He had a pistol that he had right there on his leg. Like old country boy. Well, I guess he was old country boy. <laughs> but uh, they were talking about pistols one day and where do you carry your pistol and where do you put your holster and that sort of thing. And, uh, and I'm just going to repeat exactly what this man said. That He pulled his pistol up and had it on his leg and this guy goes, you made all I ever seen. He goes, you drive a four-wheel drive, this is the day I found out, you drive a four-wheel drive truck you got a pistol on your leg because this guy knew that he, he, he was gay. I didn't know that. And he goes, yeah, I'm not your typical faggot. <laughs> that was his exact words. And you know what? I was like, oh, wow. I've been spending all this time with you at the gym. You know, he, he gave me some tips. Show me how to do some things. <laughs> Seriously, don't don't lift it this way. Lift it this way. He's, he get, I mean, now I was thinking, how many other people have I been around? I didn't know it. How many other people's been sitting right beside me that was in adultery and I didn't know it? But they had the suit and tie on. They had, they looked. The appearance was there. How many other people were sitting right beside me that was on drugs? How many other people were sitting right beside me that didn't feel like they had a whole uh, friend in this whole world? I'm just saying it's a lot closer to you than you realize sometimes. Don't let your eyes mislead you. I mean, you' got to look past that stuff. you just got to love people just like Jesus. Once again, I'm not condoning any of this. I'm just talking about the church, the, the way that the church is supposed to be. This should be a center center. a center for sinners. This ain't no center for salt shakers. Seriously, this is the hospital right here. Some of us got in the hospital before others, but it's a hospital for all. You can't clean the fish in the water. You've got to catch it first. You can't go clean it anyway. The Word is going to clean it. But if you don't ever even become friends with it and get it in here so that the Word can get out on the inside and clean it, because it gets clean from the inside out. You, you, we look out here and see things. But let me tell you, the change happens on the inside. And the next thing you know, a few months have gone by and everything out here is is fallen off. Amen. I want this church to be a friend of sinners. I don't ever want a sinner to come in here and feel shunned or rejected or less than. It's, it's a friend of sinners. We should be friends of sinners. And kids, y'all at school, talking about sitting at other people's table. Hey, I know you sit with your friends every day at the lunch, lunch table, but every now and then you see a little kid over there by himself, and he get your tail up and go over and sit with him. You don't know what he's got going on at home. You don't know what kind of sin he's living in because they don't have a choice because his mom and daddy's in sin and he's over there living with them, and he, he, he can't help but today living the way they are. Go sit at somebody else's table. Amen. What have you said to a sinner lately that makes them want to change? Just ask yourself that question. What have I said or done in front of a sinner to a sinner? What have I done or said to a sinner that would make a sinner want to change? What love have I showed a sinner that would make them want to change, that would make them want to come to church? Because love covers a multitude of sin. And you're going to have to love them. That don't mean we're going to... like I said, I don't mean we're going to marry them. They're not going to change us. We're going to change them. The darkness can't overtake the light. The light always wins. You go in a dark room, just light a little, little flashlight. You got light. But darkness can't ever overtake light. The light always wins. Amen? When you're under grace, seeing wanting to have dominion over you. So. Like I said, we don't, uh, we don't, we're, not, we're not judging sinners. Jesus said, hey, sweep your own front porch off before you go sweeping off their front porch. We're going to be quick to point out the neighbor's trashy yard and all that junk they got over there, and they need to clean that junk up. It's a bunch of shakers. That's what that is. A bunch of shakers. Matthew 11, in the 19th. Uh, Matthew chapter 11 and 19th verse. The son of man came eating and drinking and they say, look, and this is the Pharisees. These are the religious leaders. This is what they're saying. Look, a glutton and a wine-bibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But look at that. But wisdom is justified by her children. They said he was a glutton. He wasn't. They said he was a wine-bibber. He wasn't. It says, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. He was a friend of tax collectors and sinners. And just because he was a friend to the tax collector and to the sinners, now they're saying, you're a glutton and a wine-bibber and a publican and saying all these nasty things about him. Just because he was a friend to them. They say the same thing about you, too. That goes back to sitting up in Buffalo Wild Wings. Are you sitting somewhere and you're sitting with a, a sinner? And people come in and go, oh, he must be a sinner, too no I'm just eating with a sinner just like Jesus I'm just being a friend to him, just like Jesus I'm not afraid of catching contracting leprosy I didn't come to uh, be infected I came to transmit now if you're hanging around with somebody like that here's the idea they got a, let's just I'm just using a couple things for example let's, they got a they got a joint in their hand well saying I'm a friend of a sinner is not saying hey man pass me that thing I'm a friend of sinners, just like Master Red said. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, you're a friend to them, and eventually they're just going to lay that down, and they're going to pick up something else. But when you start hanging around them, and the next thing you know, you've laid that down, and now you're picking up this. Now we got a problem. It's working in reverse. Yeah, you, you need you need to withdraw and back up real quick like. I think everybody understands what I'm saying. Just making it clear, just... Just to make sure. You talking about negatives and positive? You're positive. I'm just trying to. I'm and in the, in the, they're in the negative. I'm just trying to add something positive to their life. I'm not. I'm not. Second Corinthians six, chapter the fourteenth, verse, if I'm not mistaken. My grandmother, the walking Bible, can correct me if I'm wrong. But didn't that say about not being unequally yoked? Thought so. I'm not talking about being unequally yoked. He's talking, about, he's talking about hooking an oxen to a donkey. You can't hook an oxen to a donkey. They're not going to carry the same load. They're not going to get it accomplished. You've got to have an oxen hooked to an oxen. Now we're going to get something done. I'm not talking about the oxen going out here marrying this donkey. I'm not talking about being unequally yoked. You don't need to go up to a sinner and go, I can't be yoked up to you because you're a donkey. But the fact of the matter is, you can't be yoked up to them because they're a donkey. We're trying to get him to be an ox, and ain't got to, I'm I'm saying that's something that's misused that you can't even go be a friend to them. You can't even go sit down and talk to them because you're going to be unequally yoked. I'm not yoking up with them. I'm just going to share Jesus with them. That's all I'm doing. I'm just going to go shake a little salt. But that mindset is one of those closed up salt shakers. Ain't no salt coming out. They had church every Sunday, suit and tie on every Sunday, dress all the way to the floor, but it's a clogged up salt shaker. Salt shaker. Salt shaker. Salt shaker. That's what y'all laughing at, huh? (laughs) Just picked up on that. I've been wondering what's so funny about a salt shaker. But uh, now I know. The Bible says to avoid the very appearance of sin. No, it says, it, it does say that. It doesn't say to avoid the appearance of a sinner. The very appearance of sin is now you've picked up what they're doing. Now, that's the appearance of sin, what you can see with your eye to avoid. That. In other words, I'm not doing it. He doesn't say avoid the sinner. Jesus didn't avoid the sinner. He wasn't a scared or afraid to sit down and eat with anybody, talk with anybody, hang out with anybody, was he? No. So, Luke, the seventh chapter one of the Pharisees asked him to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house, and he sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner. And you notice they point that out. They, they specifically said she was a sinner. When she knew that Jesus sat at the table at the Pharisee's house, she found out he was there. She went and brought an alice flask of fragrant oil. She stood at his feet behind him, weeping. She began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet, anointing them with fragrant oil. And when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he spoke to himself. In other words, he thought it. Remember a few weeks ago we, we preached a sermon, and I did. You think about things before you say them, whether you say you do or not. You did think about it before you said it. So this guy's thinking to himself. He didn't say it. He just thought about it to himself. Um, if he were really a prophet he'd know who and what manner of woman this is touching him for she's a sinner that goes back to what we've been talking about if he really knew he wouldn't be hanging out with them see the thing is he did know and that's why he was hanging out that's why he was there that's why he did let her wash his feet with her tears and wipe them with his hair and anoint his head with oil because he did know it isn't that he didn't know it's good he did know well, the fact of the matter is that the Pharisee really knew he's the one that didn't know. Amen. In other words, he didn't know what he was talking about. He wouldn't let this woman touch him because she's a sinner. And Jesus said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, uh, he said teacher, say it. And he said, there was a certain creditor who had two debtors, one owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing... Uh, to which to repay, he fr- freely forgave both of them. He said, Now tell me therefore which one of them will love him more. And he answered and said, I suppose the one who forgave, he forgave the most. He said, That you rightly judged. The one that he forgave the most, the largest debt. And He turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house, but you didn't give me no water for my feet, you didn't wash my feet. But she has washed her feet with my tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, Who is he that even forgives sins? Then he said to this woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Now I sit here and read, read this scripture last night or yesterday, and uh, read it again this morning, thinking about how Jesus transmitted. He wasn't afraid of being infected by her who was a known sinner, but yet he transmitted something to her. Do you understand what I'm saying? He transmitted something to her and what he transmitted something to her, whatever he transmitted to her, that made her want to change. She wanted to change. And you see this old religious person over here looking at it, totally the opposite. He's just a salt shaker with a clogged up tip. He ain't put no season on nobody. He's not the salt of the earth. He's not salting anything. I want you to see how Jesus, whatever he did, He transmitted. He transmitted something to this lady that made her want to change. So then, once again, ask yourself the question, am I transmitting anything to anybody that makes anybody want to change? Because you're really a transmitter. Jesus gave us what he had, and we're supposed to give others what we've got, and what we've got is Jesus just like they said at the temple. We don't have silver and gold, but what we do have we'll give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. They gave them, they gave that lame man what they had. They gave him Jesus. So as a church, are we transmitting anything? I mean the church as a whole. I'm not in control of, I'm not even in control of this church. But I mean, I have no uh, influence over any other church in the whole entire world but this one. I can't control or have anything to do with what they do. But I want this church to to transmit, to transmit some Jesus. Are y'all with me? But at the end of the day, you have to ask your own self on a personal level, what am I doing as the church? Because you are the church. People are the church. The building's not the church. What am I doing to transmit? Am I transmitting anything to anybody? Am I doing anything to make anybody want to change? And nobody knows the answer to that question except you. He made her want to change. You know, and you've seen people in church before jumping and hollering and running. They're so excited. I've, I've done it a little bit myself, but I've seen people just super excited, and you think, good grief, what's their deal? You know what? You don't know what they've been forgiven of. You don't know what they've been forgiven of. See, you have to hold off a little bit until you know somebody's story. Things are not always as though they appear. Praise the Lord. In Luke, the 19th chapter, and I'll, i believe I'll close with this one. Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. This guy was the chief tax collector... And he was rich. That means he had a big old stack of dead presidents at his house in a safe. You understand what I'm saying? Y'all don't, do you? There's dead presidents' pictures on your money. He had a lot of it. He was a rich dude. He, 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 he had money. He was rich. He, what else you need, right? Well, he needed something, evidently. Because he ran ahead. It says he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was short of nature. So he ran and climbed up in this sycamore tree to see what was going on. Now, let me tell you about Ozakias. He wasn't a loved man. People didn't like him. He was a sinner. He was a tax collector. Tax collecting back then is not like the IRS. Well, maybe it is. But he was a very corrupt man, very corrupt businessman. He had—he did have a, I said stack of dead prisoners. He had all this money that he had made by corruption. He was a sinner. He took advantage of people. He wasn't a good man whatsoever at all. He's the last person in that whole entire crowd, I guarantee you, they thought Jesus would pick out. And sometimes you may feel like you're the biggest sinner in the crowd. Jesus would never pick me. And Jesus came to that place. He looked up and saw him. And he said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste. That means quickly come down. He said, I got to go to your house today. So he made haste, he came down, and he received him joyfully. Well, that's important, is you're receiving what Jesus has for you. Receiving him and saying, yeah, you come on in the house. See, he was going to sit at his table, in his house, in his environment. People saw it. The Pharisees saw it. The religious people saw it. They all complained, saying, he's going to be a guest with a man who's a sinner. And then Zacchaeus stood, all, stood and said to the Lord, Look, I've given all my goods to the poor. I've given half my goods to the poor. And I've taken any, if I've taken anything from anybody by false accusation, i restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he is also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save which was that which was lost. Zacchaeus is the last person that expected to be picked, I guarantee you. First of all, you have to put yourself in Zacchaeus' shoes. He's not a loved man. But Jesus came and picked him. He picked him. So first of all, how would that feel? He's a little short little guy. You know he never got picked first on the playground. He didn't. And now he's rich, and he's ripped people off, and they hate him. And Jesus came and picked him. That's the first time he's ever been picked first for anything. He picked me. He chose me. He came and saw me and said, Hey, I want to come to your house today. Zacchaeus said, I'm I'm giving my goods away fourfold. I'm giving half of everything I own. He changed. His heart was changed. Now all of a sudden, that money he had, he's dispersing it. He's giving it away. Jesus said, Salvation has come up in this house today. What does that mean? That means Jesus wasn't afraid to be infected. He went and transmitted. So we have to ask ourselves the same question again one last time. Are we doing anything to make anybody want to change? Does Zacchaeus in your life? That guy at work that's a jerk. That woman or man you live with you don't think you can deal with another day. Or maybe it's a person at the gas station there's a long list of maybes and what ifs and all that stuff I'm talking about are you doing anything to make anybody want to change are you bringing Jesus up and and transmitting grace and love and mercy into anybody's life so what 7 Mile Ministry mean that's what it means last Sunday and this Sunday combined together that's what it means to walk and be friends with people go sit at their table transmit so if you see me at a restaurant, sitting at a table with some dude who's drinking a beer, I'm not. He is, be jumping to conclusions. Put my picture on Facebook. What I'm saying is we look at those outwardly sins, throw rocks at them, but it's, it's, it's in here, guys. It's in here, guys. Thank you for listening to this message from 7 Mile Ministry.